1: Thank you for joining us on Salon Sluice. As you know, this podcast originated in my salon. We would tell stories and I would record them, and then we would post those for you. However, due to the coronavirus, we are now working from home. I've decided to lighten up this episode. This one is about angels and spirits. New episodes are available every Tuesday. If you'd like to hear more, go to our website and join our patron. Thank you.
0: I listened to last week's podcast and there's a couple, there's one topic in particular that I want to correct that I had said last week. It was one of Leah's stories and it was about the guy in the car, the little boy in Klamis that was uh, potentially picked up. He got lost in the woods when they were out trying to find a Christmas tree. And I said that the guy in the car was um, a serial killer. That was not correct. He was a, or potentially they thought one of their main suspects was a potential pedophile who had molested other children. So I misspoke. It was not a serial killer just cruising down the road. And I don't know if this gentleman actually was even driving down the road when he saw this boy, but he actually at one point confessed and then took everybody into this wild goose hunt and then recanted. So I just want to say, to clarify, I do know that I made a mistake last week. You know, my apologies for that. And then I also wanted to kind of give everybody an update on the missing case of Allison Watterson. Um, I did have a chance to kind of pour over all the maps and the locations where all of her items have been found in the sighting. By car, they would be pretty far away, you know, like 20 minutes in a car or something, even 15 minutes. But they're really close proximity as the crow flies to walk. So basically, um, we can put a new map up of all the different locations in north plains but these roads kind of back to each other and it's all really kind of you know isolated into one section it does seem like there's a little bit of backtracking and kind of quite makes sense about their movements but um, it is all in one focused area so i did just want to say that
1: i want to tell you about a little girl that i met she is a client of mine's daughter I also do the grandmother's nail. The mother has told me for as long as I knew her. Um, actually, I knew the mother when she was in high school. And then eventually she got married, and I've been doing her nails for many, many, many years, including her mother's nails, so grandmother's nails. She's been telling me about her daughter, Skye, since she was an infant. And when she was really little, she would say her daughter, Sky would watch these things around the room. She could focus on things, and her head would move, and she would follow them. And as she would get older, she would point to them, different things of that sort. And then one day, um, you know, she's able to talk, and she's telling her mom about these lights. And her mom just said, basically, that they are angels. And whether they're spirits or ghosts or whatever your interpretation of this would be, In this case, the mother called them angels, I think, to protect the daughter and not to have her be scared of these things. It freaked the crap out of the mother, though. Let's just say that. But the grandmother was totally in on this stuff. She uh, is like me. She's very open and wants to learn about stuff like this, where the mother is not. And the granddaughter has... Disability to see what she calls angels. Throughout the years, there were just different stories that the mother would tell me when she would get her nails done. Like one particular one, she was like putting on her makeup or whatever in the bathroom and her little girl Sky comes in. The mother just wanted to be by herself in the bathroom. And so she's shooing Sky out and Sky turns to her and she's like, well, just so you know, there's a couple of spirits in here with you and just shuts the door. <laughs> And of course, the mother who's freaked out about this stuff is like, "Holy crap! Like, really, you're just going to leave me like this?" Like, and and it scares her, right? I, of course, I'm always asking questions to the grandmother because I know the grandmother is into this stuff. I would ask her questions about, you know, about Sky. One day, I saw Sky, and uh, I told her. We all went bowling, and I went with my kids and then their kids, and their kids are probably half the age of mine, but her kids are adorable, and especially Skye. She actually looks like, if you can imagine a very young angel, she looks like one. Grandmother asked me, hey, can I bring Skye in to get her nails done for her birthday? And I was like, of course you can, because (laughs) I wanted to get my fingers on that girl. And so I started with her feet because by the time I got to her hands, we would be face to face. And I, I wanted her to like me while I was doing her feet so that she would be comfortable talking to me about this stuff while I was doing her nails face to face. So I heard you can do this thing that I'm really excited about. And she's like, What's that? I'm like, You can see angels. And she's like, Yeah. At the meantime, she keeps looking over my shoulder. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out. Like, is she looking at something? And then I finally asked her and she's like, oh no, I just keep looking over there. I was like, oh, okay. Like, so of course, then I was telling her that we really need to get together because I want you, once you're comfortable with me, I want you to come to my house and then tell me if I have any at my house. She's like, okay. Of course, that following weekend, I called them to go bowling. So we all went bowling. (laughs) We, of course, we were friends right away the very next day. So that was Saturday by Sunday. She was at my house. I think they came over after lunch and then... You know, mom and dad were gone. And so Sky can only see these things at night. So I'm waiting like all afternoon. And finally, I start dinner early so that actually this could have been Saturday. We might have gone holding Friday. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I had to wait long enough for it to get dark so she can see these things. So I make dinner kind of early, so by the time I'm cleaning up, it's kind of dusky, it's kind of darkish, little. Yeah. And I'm like, Sky, do you think it's dark enough yet? And because of course, this is the whole the whole moment I've been waiting for all day long was this moment, right, right. even though they've been having a ton of fun outside with the kids. And so she's like, okay, like no big deal, right? It's like it's like yeah. I'm, I've asked her to go, you know, color a page or something. She's like, okay. So she goes in each of the bedrooms upstairs, and she comes back. There's nothing up here, and I was like, okay well, why don't you go downstairs? The playroom's down there. And so is my bedroom and just see if there's anything there. And she's like, okay, no big deal. She goes down there and I can hear them like opening up doors. And then I hear them in my room and she comes running up the stairs and she's like, there's one in your room. And I was like, okay, we'll go with my daughter and look in there and tell me what it looks like. And she's like, okay. And she goes down. So they come running up the stairs and she looks at me and she goes, okay, She is, she's got short, dark hair, putting her hand to her ears, and she goes, and she's wearing a floral shirt and white pants. And I was like, oh, okay, if I showed you a picture of somebody, would you be able to recognize her? And she's like, I'll try. I was like, okay. In the meantime, actually, when they ran down the stairs the second time, I was like calling out to everybody I knew that died. I was like, this is your chance. She can see you, you know, (laughs) you know, and that would be my mom. That would be my best friend, Janie. That would be. You know, my uncle, my grandparents, anybody I thought of that had died. I'm like, this is your moment. Show up, you know. So she says a floral shirt, white pants, and short, dark hair. And so I'm going around um, looking for a picture of my mom because that's clearly none of my uncles or my grandfathers or it's not my grandmother. Um, It's not Janie because she had long blonde hair. The only person I had knew that was kind of like that description would be my mom. But my mom always had like shoulder length hair. As you probably know this, I was not close to my mom at all. Like, we didn't have much of a relationship at all. I texted my sister, and I was like, hey, Angel Girl's here at the house. Can you send me a picture of mom? And she knew that I knew this little girl. So she knew exactly who I was talking about. I didn't say anything else to my sister. I just said, send me a picture of mom. And she's like, okay. And so at this point, my oldest daughter is in the room with me, and we're waiting for my sister to reply. I open up the text message from my sister and get this image. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Very short hair. And I don't remember my mom ever having short hair like that. I always knew her as having shoulder length hair and always had bangs, but always had like shoulder length hair. Uh-huh. And then she's kind of wearing a floral shirt and white pants. Now, I didn't tell my sister to send a picture yeah. like that. She yeah. sent that picture. So when I showed it to her, she goes, well, she kind of looks like that, but she looks younger now. But I found it interesting that she was wearing a white white pants and floral shirt in this picture with short, dark hair. So that was my story about this little girl. You know, since then, uh, you know, I, I talk to her occasionally. Um, she is this adorable little thing. She is losing that ability. She doesn't see in them as often. Went to Mexico in October, and there were definitely things that had happened there, including her mother, who's scared of the stuff, saw stuff. I do think the mom has that ability. Yeah. I think it scares the crap out of her. So it, yeah. no wonder, it, you know, the daughter has it and then the mother has it. And grandma definitely probably has some stuff, too. But I think it, you know, probably runs in families. But I think it scares the mom so much that she totally doesn't see or want to see that stuff, you know. And I think because she doesn't have that support at home, that it's right. it, she's losing it. So I'm like, Come, you know, tell me when you see stuff, you know, I'll keep you open, you know. One thing that I want to talk to you about is angels and you told me that you used to or you still do can see angels is that right yeah how old are you 10 how old were you when you first started seeing them
2: um i honestly don't know
1: you think your whole life maybe yeah i remember your mom telling me stories of when you were a tiny baby and she thought that you would watch things so i think maybe you've been able to do it your whole life Do you still see them?
2: Not often. It's rarely.
1: Let's talk about what they look like to you. When you see them, what do you see?
2: Sometimes I see, like, orbs. Sometimes they could be people. And Hmm. most of the time they're orbs, though.
1: When you see people, how do you know that they're not really alive still? Do they look different? (coughs)
2: Yes, they look different.
1: And how do they look different?
2: They look really bright, and they just really stand out, kind of.
1: Like, do they look like you and me, but they might be, are they like see-through, or is it more like a color?
2: It's more of a see-through. Okay.
1: Okay. Can you tell when you see them if they've been bad people or if they're they're good people?
2: Sometimes they're different colors.
1: In the past when we had talked, you had mentioned that the red ones were scary. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit more about that?
2: The red ones are scary because they're really dark. They just look scary to me.
1: So because of their color, they look scary, or do they feel scary? What is it about them that seems scary?
2: They look and feel scary.
1: Okay. And is there a color that feels okay, that they feel like good spirits, maybe?
2: Just kind of a white, see-through.
1: Now, you had told me a couple stories in the past. Do you remember any stories that you can share with me?
2: I remember one that was in my parents' room, and I also remember the one at your house a long time ago.
1: Yeah. Was the one at your house, was it good or was it scary?
2: It was good, I think, because it was white, although it really did scare me because it was like two in the morning and I really couldn't see anything like that.
1: And what was it doing?
2: I... Was sleeping in my parents' room that night. I don't know why, but I kind of stood up a little bit, and I on the carpet I saw this little figure that looked like a boy playing little boy playing with a train, and then he looked at me, which I immediately just went went down. I I kind of hid. Yeah.
1: And you said it was playing with a train.
2: Yeah, like a toy train or something like
1: that. Was it like a train that you guys had at your house or something he had brought with him?
2: I'm pretty sure it's something that
1: we brought with him. Okay. Have you seen that particular one at your house before or since? No. Just that one time? Your mom had told me a few funny stories that freaked her out. Because your mom is kind of scared of this stuff, isn't she? Yeah, she doesn't
2: really like talking about it or anything like that.
1: It's kind of scary to some people, I think. And you you just see them, or do you hear them? Do you know them? Like
2: They don't usually talk to me, not that I remember.
1: Okay. So tell me your Mexico story.
2: The one that happened this year, there's like a, one that happens every year that really freaks me out. Okay. Since we get the um, same room every year. My mom and dad called this ghost like Pablo. <laughs> they called it Pablo. That's funny. Doors just randomly open, and the vent is really strong, but it wasn't often happened to me. It just randomly opens, even the handle moves, and it just opens. And I locked it, and I put down the door thing so nobody will come in. Yeah. And it just opened, it moved the door thing, the shut doors, and I don't know how it locked it, and it, when it opened, nobody was there. That one really freaked me out.
1: And where so, does that door lead into? Is it just separating the two separate bedrooms?
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: What do you suppose the difference between, like, a person and an orb is?
2: I think people, and if they have enough energy, they can go into a, a full person and, but if they don't, they just stay in an orb and maybe they could change. That's just a guess. Okay. I, I I don't actually know.
1: And how do you know that? Like, you're only 10. How would you know about, like, energy and things like that? Is it just something that you know or did you read it somewhere?
2: It just comes to my mind that maybe that's true.
1: Yeah, it makes sense, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's actually ever tried to talk to you, right?
2: Not
1: that I know of. When you saw the one at my house, what was she doing? Just standing there?
2: Yeah, she was just sitting in a chair actually. Okay. And just really
1: not doing anything. Just sitting in the chair. Yeah. Okay. What and you don't remember any other specific stories that you can tell me? I know that you said you've seen one in a restaurant before and i know you told me the story about the sun river house but if you don't remember it i'm not going to try to make you remember that but any other cool stories that you can remember
2: can you tell me some of the stories that my mom told you and see if i can
1: oh she it? said that she was in the bathroom i don't know if she was washing her face or putting on makeup or something and you wanted something and she said she you know she was busy at that moment She said, you left the room and you shut the door and you said, and by the way, there's spirits in here. She said, it totally freaked her out. (laughs) So I don't know if you just said that to like freak her out or if you actually saw them.
2: I probably did freak her out because at the time I was seeing a lot. I knew I was seeing stuff. I just don't remember specific stories. The story also took place in Mexico and it was this year. There's a kids' club down there where they just do fun activities with you, and there's, like, this whole schedule. It's underground, like, the place is underground, and it's, I hate going there after um, we go to the pool because it's freezing down there. It's super cold. So, and when you turn off the lights, you can't see anything. We were there and ICE. One of the girls were really interested. One of the people I... Her name was Erica, and she's super nice. And she was really interested. And then there's this other girl. I know her name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. She was really freaked out. She did not want to do it.
1: What were you talking about? What were you trying to do?
2: I was going to turn off all the lights and see if I could see anyone. And I actually did. Once we turned off the lights, I asked everybody just to stay quiet and, like, close their eyes, because I didn't know, I don't know what I was thinking. I actually saw a old person, too. Like, a, there was a boy and a girl that were old, and they were just there, just staring. And then the funny one is, some more people came to do it, and the lights were off, and so they walked in, and when they heard the footsteps, everybody opened their eyes and screamed. It was really funny, but they, the ghost went away. But
1: So you told those workers that you knew that you could do this, and they wanted to test you, or they wanted to see for themselves?
2: Yeah. And then- Well, the whole thing is down there.
1: Oh, okay. Were there other kids in there, or was it just you guys?
2: Yes, there was some other people down there.
1: So let's go into that a little bit about how you can only see them when it's dark or at night. You say, right? Like you can't see them during the daytime. It always is at night.
2: Not always. I know I've seen because in when the room when the door opened, it was day.
1: Okay.
2: Although I I could kind of see something, but barely. I think I can only see stuff better in the night than day, but I don't
1: know. And we talked about that before, but why do you think you can only see them, or you can see them better at night than you can during the day?
2: Maybe they're not as bright as lights, so it's better, so I can see them better.
1: Okay. And when you went down in Mexico and you saw that old couple, what were they doing? What did they look like?
2: Um, very one was wearing um like jeans I think and then just a shirt, like a, a T shirt. And then the other was also wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt that I don't fully remember what was on her shirt, but something was.
1: Well now that I stuck spirits back in your head, hopefully you'll remember or you'll see something again and call me. Actually you can call me even if it has nothing to do with that. I'm going to let you go. You have a good night. Thanks for calling me and having this conversation with me. Okay. All right. Bye, honey. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You tell me about angels.
0: You mean what angels are to me kind of a thing?
1: Yes. I guess
0: guess for me, the term angel, and maybe it's because I was brought up, you know, going to church every Sunday, was that angels were sent by God. Not that spirits aren't, but that they were... um, like if you consider the elves, you know, for Santa, kind of they were the elves. They did the things that God needed to have done here on Earth. And I guess as I've grown and I hear of mediums and um, uh, people who can read other people and and tell the future and then people that can talk and communicate with people that have passed on, I see that as more spirits um, and less about an angel and more it's a spirit and how those two interplay, the word angel to me really kind of is tied to um, a religion and a spirit is really much broader than that and it doesn't necessarily even mean... That that person is doing anything that God is asking it to do, right? Like it's, it's just much more organic and, and um, it's hard to put words to really, but it's more people that have left this world and gone to the spirit side.
1: You know, we have these moments where we have flashes in the corners of our eyes or we might hear a sound or, you know, a a feeling comes over us when we see something that is just a reminder. And maybe that was a spirit that was helping us through something. But do you believe that God or you know, whatever you believe in could actually come and help somebody in a moment using whatever they can. Divine interaction. Yeah. Like, For is sure. that, is that For possible sure. that like, For sure. I mean, we, I mean, none of us will know these these answers no. until we've actually been there. But the only reason uh, there's a story that's coming up after this is, you know, this uh, man, he is extremely educated and he's this brilliant businessman. And he feels like he's actually experienced an angel. And, in that case, I do believe that might be different than Spirit's and, and different than what Sky sees because his might have been more supernatural. It could have been something more like divine for him.
3: I was working in a way that I would never have expected. Um, a fabulous family, an incredible business, enough money to live on for the rest of my life, and it was just about as good as it gets. And then 12 hours later, we received a phone call that uh, was to change everything, that that my daughter had been killed in this accident in San Francisco. And it was a a rather cold phone call. I mean, there was some compassion, but it was sort of of matter-of-fact. And it obviously devastated us and devastated me. And that began a series of events that started to almost makes some sense out of all of it. It's almost like the universe was trying to get my attention about things and, and to value what was valuable rather than value what was valueless. less because I had spent a great deal of my life acquiring things, acquiring money, acquiring cars and clothes and all those things. Things that from the outside, someone looking at my outsides would consider me to be extremely successful. Uh, But on the inside, I was really not. Um, I was, there was something missing. And so the journey began really then, and it's a, The only way I can describe it is as a journey. What I attempted to do is to try to find some meaning out of all of this and try to make some sense out of something that just simply on my level of understanding just didn't make sense at all. So I was on a quest and someone had told me, actually it was a friend of mine, wrote me an email and she said, at the risk of our friendship, I think you ought to go see this psychic. And I thought, well, you got to be out of your mind. Right. Why would I do anything like that? And so but one thing I didn't do is I didn't delete that email. So about three weeks after she died, I was sitting in my office in downtown with these incredible views of the city and the mountains and everything. And I was dying inside. And I called that number and the woman answered it. Her name was Renee. She she actually answered the phone. I said, I'd like to come and see you. And this was on a Tuesday, and she said, well, can you be at my office out in the east part of the city at 4 o'clock on Thursday? And I said, I, yeah, I, I would. At the appointed time at 4 o'clock, well, it was actually quarter of 4, I drove out to this place, in uh, which has a famous nickname in my city, and it's called Felony Flats. And I drove up to this empty, what appeared to be an empty building, and she said she was on the third floor. And so there was no elevator, so I took the stairs up, and the place was quiet. I mean, there was not a sound coming from anywhere. And I walked up to the third floor, and uh, it was basically, it was a, an empty space, but there was one door with a chair out front and a little table with the cards on it. I, and there was nobody there at all. And it looked like the place was used for martial arts. I mean, with, considering all the posters that were on the side of the, uh, the walls and so on. So I walked up to the uh, a chair and the little table and I picked up the card. And it said, Renee Madsen, Wizard Mortgages. And I thought, what the hell I got myself into? <laughs> this is crazy. And I'm also afraid that somebody's going to pinch my car out there. You know, because this is really not a very uh, pleasant neighborhood. And so I was looking at my watch, and i'm I'm getting a little impatient, and it was three fifty nine and forty five seconds, and I couldn't hear anything anywhere. And I looked at my watch and I said, "You know what? at four o'clock, if she doesn't show up, I'm out of here because what the hell am I doing with a psychic?" And at precisely four o'clock, my little second hand hit the top of the watch. She opened the door, this youngest woman, and she looked at me and she said, Oh, hi, you must be Greg. And I said, I am. And she goes, Hey, listen, I got a piss. So go make yourself at home and I'll be right back. my, My jaw dropped and I walked into this room and there was wizards and fairies and... All kinds of stuff all over the walls, of, you know, this airy-fairy stuff. And I just, I thought, what the hell am I doing in here? Without going into all, every single little aspect and detail of this, what happened was that she had two things to tell me. One was that my daughter was okay and that she was sorry that she had to go. And that she had a message for me and that she had by this time it was like 45-50 minutes or so in the session and she said i'm getting really tired but i have another message for you um but you're going to have to come back and i thought yeah right this is an annuity for her you know and she said look i'm not even going to charge you it's that important and so on the second visit she she gave me a message from a male presence the message was this it wasn't your responsibility, it wasn't your responsibility, it wasn't your responsibility. And there's only one person on this planet that knew what she meant, and that was me. And that um, in 1971, my little brother passed away. He died of a heart condition, and I was um, a latchkey kid. In other words, my dad had left when I was 12, and my mother was left to raise us, but she had to work nice, so I was responsible for giving him his medicine every day. And there were times, you know, when I was 12, 13, 14 years old in which I forgot to do that. And so when he died, deep down in my soul, I knew that it was probably my responsibility that if I had not forgotten. So that was a message I got from her. So that, that established our relationship and, and, uh, I went to see her a number of times afterwards. So fast forward to about 2008, 2009 maybe. And I had a day in which, uh, or a, a date that I was going to take my airplane down to Northern California and go fishing with some friends of mine. And um, I had planned to be met at the airport in a place called Dunsmere, California at 2 o'clock on this Friday afternoon. And so uh, that meant that I had to leave my office at around 10 to get to the airport on time to get the plane ready, et cetera, and actually fly myself all the way down there by myself. And as I was driving to to the airport, I had this flash thought about food it was crazy it's like okay i've eaten breakfast at six thirty in the morning and here it is it's 10 o'clock i'm not hungry right now but if i hop in the plane obviously i can't stop through a drive through flying my airplane down there what am i going to do about food if i get down there at two o'clock and these are the thoughts that were running through my head and i did something that i actually rarely rarely ever do and that is to go to a fast food restaurant and so off of the freeway there was one right there on my way to the airport and so it's about ten thirty in the morning and i pulled off this, uh, the freeway and i pulled into the parking lot and it looked like i was the only one there because it was sort of an off time and i walk in and i see this fellow and he's about six foot four i can still see him today he almost looks like a mountain man and he's got overalls on and a t-shirt i'm not sure if he had tattoos but i know he had a beard and he had long scraggly hair and he was looking up at the menu, and uh, I was in this sort of panic mode about, you know, i got to get there, got to get there, got to go, got to go, got to go. And um, there was a little Hispanic fellow standing behind the counter, and he looked at me. So instinctively, I just ordered. And when I ordered, um, he took it, and then the other fellow put started to put his order in. And it, it occurred to me that I cut in front of him and I felt terrible about it and reached up and I touched him on the arm on the shoulder actually. And I said, say, I'm really sorry for cutting in front of you. And he turned around and he looked at me and he had the softest face, the softest blue eyes I've ever seen in my life. In the, in a most delicate voice, he just said the words, Oh, it's okay. In a way that blew me away. And I, I knew something had happened at that, at that moment in time. And I paid for my food. I grabbed my bag and I walked out and I got in my car and I started to sob and I didn't know where it came from, but it was uncontrollable. And so I slant, I was crying, and I was eating a stupid hamburger and these french fries as I was driving down the freeway. I drive all the way to the airport. I'm crying the whole way. I pull into the hangar. I'm still crying. I pull out the airplane. I'm still crying. I couldn't stop. I put my car into the hangar. I closed it up, and I hopped into the plane. I yelled, clear out the window, and I started the plane, and then the crying stopped. And I said, there's something happened to me, and I don't know what it is, but something profound happened in that uh, fast food restaurant. And so ordinarily when I take an airplane flight like this, I put on the iTunes or iPod thing and listen to music all the way down and listen to the air traffic controller. But this time I didn't do that. I could only stare out the window and in my gut I knew something happened. Something happened in that place that was to have an impact on me in a way that I would have never expected. The trip lasted, actually, it was a fishing trip, and then I went down to Yosemite, and I went down to Fresno, and then I flew back. And I I had to talk to somebody, um, because it sounded crazy. It's like, so what? Do you cut in front of somebody? So what? He looked at you, and he said it was okay. You know, and I said, this went far beyond that, way, way beyond that, you know, minor little, uh, incident. So I called Renee and ordinarily it would take three to four months to go see her, uh, because she's booked up all the time. And she said exactly these words. She says, I was expecting your call. Can you come in tomorrow at 10? And I said, absolutely. And so I mean, that night I couldn't sleep and I knew something had happened, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And so I walked, uh, I got in my car and I drove over to her office the next morning and she I, she opened the door and she had a big smile on her face and she said, did you get it? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, "They, they told me they sent you someone. And I said, what do you mean? She said, they sent you someone. They sent you an angel. And I said, I get choked at thinking about that. And I said, what's the message? And she said, don't you get it? It's too big for you to really understand, to to describe, but maybe it has something to do with being judgmental about things and about people and the way in which you look at someone. Instead of seeing the outside, can you see their heart? Can you see their soul? Can you see their absolute innocence? And that was the message I got. And I realized that in my life, that as I navigate my way through the world, whether it's driving in a car, being out shopping or eating at a restaurant, how I could look at someone and automatically put them in some sort of bucket. And what that taught me what that angel gave me was that the idea that we're all innocent at our core and if i look at that then i'm free and it gives me a sense of peace a sense of peace of mind a sense of calm and highly unlikely that i'll be going through the the judgment game again and so uh, the outcome again this happened you know nearly what 10 12 years ago And it's still with me today, and that's how profound that experience was for me.
1: Do you still live that way? Do you ever fall back into it a little?
3: I I have an occasion uh, where uh, all it takes is there can be some external stress or something going on in my world that's objectionable, say. And somebody pull in front of me, and I might mutter under my breath. Yeah. And then, but I quickly realized that that's what's going on for me, right? That there's something else. It has nothing to do with somebody pulling in front of me. It has to do with me, and that there's something that I need to address. But more importantly, it's the, the notion of seeing it, it, it's like it's almost scary for me to look at somebody and then be conscious and say, can you see their innocence? Irrespective of who they might be or who they might have been in my life, for example. Somebody from my past who I think crossed me or somebody who was disrespectful to me in some way. Um, but if I could see their innocence, um, then what I found is it, it, it is a sense of peace that falls over me that I can't describe. And I want that feeling. I want to live that way. And I do my best to do so. I really think that, you know, when we come into this place called Earth, that it's part of our journey is to recognize how we value things that are value less and whether it's money, property, prestige, who you know, um, who my friends are, what name dropping I can do and that, that we think that there's value that sets us apart when, in fact, we're all innocent souls. And uh, I, as I see it, is my, my function here is to, is to share the message of innocence um, that everyone is, even though we think they're guilty of some terrible thing that they might have done in their life. And the world is full of that kind of stuff, but in spite of that, the people that do that kind of thing are poor in this in their spirit and poor in their heart if you take that all away what's left is this notion of innocence and that's what that's what got me and that's the, that's the message I've I you know I I don't know the answers to any of all any of this stuff but I can say that that's what's true for me i got to stop you yeah. on tv there's a thing called the angel sleeper
1: I'll look for
3: it. Advertising. Isn't okay. Funny? Okay. That's really funny. Okay,
1: right now as we're talking?
3: Yeah, yeah right now as we're talking, oh, funny. The angel sleeper. And one other one I'll share with you is was the day of my daughter's uh, memorial service. Mm-hmm. It was held at, at Lewis and Clark uh, Law School Chapel uh, where my daughter had just got accepted into law school. And uh, so I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's a round chapel and there's like a gangplank. There's only one way in and one way out. And it's this gangplank out there. Well, uh, after the service, the, the place was, there are people outside. They said there's over a thousand people at our service. And, um, so when the, the service is over, then the family gets to walk out first. Well, I get to walk out first with my wife and we were holding hands. And, um, so I walk out the door. It was January eighth of two thousand five, and my wife saw um, one of my son's friends, and she dropped my hand and she went uh, to you know give this kid a hug. And I, turn, I I noticed something sort of behind me, behind my right shoulder. And um, by the way, it was really cold that day. It was really chilly. It was maybe like four, less than forty degrees, maybe thirty-five degrees outside. And I turn around and I look, and there's a woman standing there that I do not recognize. And she had a, uh, a dress on that, was, that had autumn colors. And autumn colors was my daughter's favorite. My favorite and her favorite were autumn, the season of autumn, and autumn colors. That was always our favorite. And I looked at this woman who I didn't recognize at all. i have never seen her before in my life. And she smiled at me, and my first thought was it was probably some voyeur wanting to come and hang out and watch people suffer. You know, that was my first thought at that time. And uh, so then my I caught up with my wife. I grabbed her hand and I turned around and look, and she's now she's really smiling. I, I mean, and she's and she's dressed in a dress. She doesn't even have a jacket on. Doesn't have a coat on. And I thought, what the hell is this? Who is this woman, right? So we took another, few, uh, another three or four steps, and I turned around, and I look again, and, there, and now she's beaming, right? And so they had a bus waiting for us, and it was just about 10 paces or so. So uh, we all got onto the bus, and I said, stop. Don't go anywhere. I got to go find out who this woman was. I said, did you guys see her? And they said, no, we didn't see her. I said, oh, come on. She was wearing this, this floral colored dress that looked like autumn and she didn't have a jacket on and she was smiling at me. You guys didn't see her? No, we didn't see her. And I went back and I looked and she was gone. And there's no way she could have left other than she had gone back into the church. And I went and looked and she was gone. And But what, here's the thing that I know about that now is that I felt a sense of peace. I felt some comfort at that moment, right? In a time that it is indescribably painful at that moment in time, I felt like this relief and it was like weird. Like I shouldn't feel this way. Right. But that's what she gave me and it was a real gift. And I believe a hundred percent that I was an angel. Getting back to Yosemite, of course, my
4: dad, we cremated my dad and, uh, my portion of the ashes of my dad, uh, I told Carol, I go, you know what I want to do? One of the, And one of the first things, that's what came to mind. One of the first things I did were his ashes were spread. I go, we got to make a trip to Yosemite. We went to Yosemite. It was Labor Day weekend. We went to the places where we would camp, which is no longer a campsite there, but the bridge has always been there. That crosses the Creek that would go over to uh housekeeping tents, which was another uh, campsite area. It was like area. two hours to get from one... What we did was... Well, before before we went there, we, we went up to Glacier Point first as we came in, and uh, Glacier Point's on the way in before you get to the campsite. So we went up to Glacier Point, and then that's where, you know, for that's where the firefall would be uh, pushed off of the cliff up there. And so uh, Glacier Point being... I go, this is a per- one of the perfect spots to spread his as ashes and then fly through the valley, down to the valley floor. So we threw ashes out from from the Glacier Point uh, area. And then we went down to the valley, and then the campsite we used to camp at, which I was getting at, which is now a metal, uh, it's no longer campsite, but you can still see the, uh, the roads in there where you, you drive in there and... Uh, you can kind of see where the campsites, and I I, I went in there and showed Carol, and, and this is where we camped, this area right here. How can you remember? Because I know how the river came up around here, you know? And, and so I go, there's this bridge here. I'm going to show you the bridge, because it was like um, her first time with me there, Yosemite. And so I showed her the bridge that would, uh, again, the campsites were across, and there was a small general store that you get, the food or whatever, or camping supplies or whatever. And this bridge was across the river there. And so the river, which runs off snowpack in in September, the river goes down later in the summer or early fall. We stopped there, and I go, I'm going to throw ashes right here. Got the ashes out, and I was on the top rail. I threw the first ashes it was kinda of breathing, the breeze, you know, not to make fun but the breeze the, the ashes kinda of got blown back into Carol's face or something, you know. And it never got to the water portion. It went all in my mouth. I go, I gotta do this again, but I going to so I I reached in between or I leaned in between the two rails in the middle rail, so I was closer down to the water somewhat. Uh, Carol, we both were down looking at the water as the water's flowing gently through, you know, underneath the bridge. And, um, the next handful of ashes I threw in there, I threw it when it hit the water. I go, I was stunned. But I couldn't believe what I just saw. And I looked at each other. We both looked at each other. Did you just see that? Yeah. It was a silhouette of an angel. Like if the angel was rising into the sky and lifted her wings or his wings. And it was this like, a silhouette in the water. The water is clear; and you can see. It's so clear the water as it moves across the white, or this is the outline of an angel's wings and all that. We were, we both, we both looked at each other, couldn't believe each it. Other at the same time. And said, "Did you just see what I seen? And so, like he was there, you know. It's just, and then we just watched it float down, you know, away from us and all that. And it was just like it. It made just that trip, uh, because there was a lot of traffic on a major holiday like that, it made that trip just with, with that right there uh, it's worthwhile.
1: So right after Grandpa Joe died to um, Grandma Lucy, who had very bad dementia, that poor thing, she couldn't remember a soul, and we were all sitting in the living room just telling stories about Grandpa Joe, and she gets up and goes down the hall to like her bedroom, and I'm following behind her because everyone's just looking at each other like, where is she going? And she's going down the hall saying, Mama? Mama? And I'm like, what the heck? So I follow her down the hall and we get to the inn and she's trying to open up that bedroom door and she's she's like, Mama? And I said, Grandma, your mom's passed away a long time ago. And she looks at me and she goes, I know. Isn't that weird? I just saw her go in here. <sighs> And I said, okay, well, let's go in there, right? So we were, we went in there. Of course, there was nothing in there. And that was where Grandpa Joe was very sick. And um, We eventually moved him to a different room, but he was very sick in that room for a while. And then when um, they took over that house and Grandma went to go live with my in-laws, um, Grandpa was remodeling the house. And we were in that doorway. I was standing right in front of the door that she tried to go in to see her mama. And yeah. Grandpa was standing closer to the next bedroom over. And it given the heat's turned off, the, el- the air conditioner, nothing's on in the house. There's probably some lights. And this is the middle of summer. And we're just talking. And then all of a sudden, the door that I was standing by closes. And it doesn't just close. It closes and clicks shut. And he looks at me, and I was like, oh! Cause that was the same door grandma tried to go into. And of course he's like, let's get out of here. And I go, okay. And I go straight into that room (laughs) because I was like, (laughs) i gonna go see something. But it was that same room. It was so weird that I was like, huh? If you're
0: (laughs) listening to us at Apple podcast, hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Yay.